0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everybody. Welcome back to the Forever Mighty Post Game show. Summer updates, news on Kessler, coaching changes, all kinds of good stuff, my friend. Eddie, how you doing,
1: man? Good. Uh, nice to finally get back I guess I mean we, we said that last time with the last show but there's actually news I mean, we thought it was gonna be a boring summer nothing was gonna happen and then uh, things start pouring out you know like you said' some some extensions with the coaches some interesting news on Ryan Kessler I mean a lot more I guess than we expected yeah
0: no and it's a lot of if you go across the internet just a lot of people freaking out about the whole Ryan Kessler so it'll be your kind of take on what you think about it and how the Ducks could possibly
1: forward. Obviously, we'll look at options, but uh, how about the Stanley Cup final? Huh? Jeez. I, well, I mean, for one, I, I, for Vegas to actually still be here is ridiculous, and then for them also to be leading one nothing in the series and and doing so pretty easily. I, I mean, it just adds to the craziness of this of, of this run so far by them, and then the fact that they could still get better next year with some additions because their cap space is just ridiculous. I, I don't know. I, I'm rooting for Ovi, honestly, but it, I guess it's a nice secondary option if Vegas wins it, because it's not like we're having a team who's already won the Cup, winning it again. So I, I guess it's a win-win, no matter who wins.
0: I mean, since you're a Canadian, it's, it's just kind of odd from all the battle years of history with Russians that you would root for Ovi, but I'm with you. <laughs> i got I got to go with that one, too. I'd love to see Ovi raise the Cup, I People are torn, and I kind of was too. Like, I, I figured if the Caps missed the final, then I would Vegas to win it all, just because that's, like, the greatest story that you could have ever written ever in sports. And it would be so good for this league, and people out here, like, trashing that idea, as to which I find is hilarious. But since Obie's in there, it's like, no offense to anybody on the Knights. I'm not part of that crowd that thinks you have to earn your due to get your chance. You just make the best of the time that you have when you're there. Yeah. And Ovi has worked so hard and been trashed by so many people and fans and media, whoever you want to talk about uh, for not having that. So I hope he gets it too. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you.
1: Yeah, it would be nice. And just to kind of shut those people up, like you said, because I don't think he needs it to be a great player and considered one of the best goal scorers of all time. But if he gets it, then nobody can say anything anymore because then he's got the one thing he doesn't have over guys like Sidney Crosby uh, and so, you know, if he gets that championship, then, then nobody can say anything. And then he is all arguably one of the best goal scorers of all time, which he should be anyway, but it, it doesn't matter. And then I guess, like, like we already mentioned, with Vegas, that's not a bad outcome on the other side. I mean, if we had a team like L.A. in here or somebody else, and we've been saying, okay, you know, if, if Ovi loses, then we've got this ugly outcome on the other side. But at least with Vegas, it's a good story. One of the best, like you said, championship stories – In sports probably ever other than you know i've I've watched a lot of soccer so leicester city winning the championship is a little bit up there for me because i think in soccer with with the amount of parity that there isn't it's kind of it kind of tops it for me but this would be up there i I mean this is this is an amazing run the fact that they're still going and not even like not even the fact they're still going but they're making it look so easy it's just ridiculous
0: I mean, I don't know what you can say about soccer. I don't know what team you just mentioned. I'm not familiar with the sport. The only thing <laughs> well, I know is they play on a field. Have
1: Leicester City and the Buxu podcast at all? Like the no. I just, I, I don't
0: know, man. I, I can't get into a sport with a, uh, you know, an arena the size of the state of North Dakota that they play on, and there's only like four shots on goal the whole game. <laughs> um, but I don't
1: want to digress down that hole uh <laughs> we lost like but five yeah. listeners right now because you trash talk soccer like there's five I people out there soccer. saying hey you know what we're out of
0: here now <laughs> screw patrick he doesn't know yeah. what he's talking about he doesn't like soccer all right man let's uh let's hop into the ducks let's um let's crack open this can of kessler oh, man. Uh, junk that's going around because everyone seems to be freaking out about something that i feel like personally we've known for a while there's possibility but why don't you tell everybody where the rumor first started yeah. um Should we get to the intro, though? <laughs> Dude, I did that one not on purpose. Yes, yeah. kick the intro and then okay. kick me. I can't go this long between shows. <laughs> yeah, it's it's too much.
1: <laughs> All right, let's let's go off the intro. Trying to get by Benny. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Stewart. Corey Perry. Oh, you're able to shake away from Solani? It's getting away this- I think for next year, we can just set up like a board on how many times we end up playing the intro too late into the show. I I mean, to be fair, you get the hard job. You have to set up the show every time and set up the intro. I I end up getting the the easy job just kind of riding in the sidecar. But I think we do need a running total next year. We can have some people bet on the over-under on how many times we're going to get past the intro. I mean, I only have
0: it in 24-point bold font on my screen in front of me to remind me not to skip it. And I literally read right under it rather than reading it. So, yeah, man, I got some problems. But uh, <laughs> and in, in all fairness, my other show is, is uh, not live. So like if I did that, I could just go back. This is kind of like too little too late. But um, with Ryan Kessler, news comes out, possibly out indefinitely, possibly ready for training camp, possibly not playing at all next season. Um, that's news to me. But uh, why don't you let everyone know where this kind of came around to?
1: Yeah, so I'll read the – so bear with me. I'm going to read the the entire little outlet that uh, Elliot Friedman had in 31 Thoughts here. But he had put it out in his last column, which I think was about five days ago. Um, so this is what it said. So we probably won't know the truth until training camp, but there's a chance Ryan Kessler does not play in 2018-2019. Anaheim center gutted through 48 regular season games and playoff games. His discomfort and pain obvious to teammates and opponents alike. From what I understand, he will not be having surgery. That's already been done. Instead, he's undergoing some aggressive rehab and treatment in an effort to improve the hip area. The team and agent are not commenting, but word is he's not interested in retiring, wants to play, and is doing everything he can to get there. But it might be a situation where he sits out and tries to come back in September 2019. I mean, this is worrying uh, because we had heard nothing up until this point. We kind of just assumed that Kessler was going to take the whole offseason off, just focus on the rehab, which, I mean, I, aggressive rehab isn't a surprise. I kind of expected that to happen. But we all assumed he'd be ready to go 100% and close to the player that he was. Maybe not the exact same, but at least somewhere close, better than he was this season. And now all, the, all of a sudden this comes out from a, you know, a pretty reliable source in Elliott Friedman. And it uh, reignites the fire in ducks Twitter and everybody panics.
0: I mean, but it's no guarantee either way. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not saying it's done. Um, from all accounts, we all knew that Kessler was going through extensive treatment. Um, the worrying part from this uh, from this whole article to me is exactly what you just said. It comes from a, re- from a very reliable source who doesn't just speak on a whim. I mean, treatment's connected. And here's things internally. He's probably like one of the biggest people right next to Bob McKenzie, wouldn't you say, when it comes to breaking news or any sort of insider information. So it just kind of is concerning to even think about that having to happen to the Ducks. But, I mean, I love Ryan Kessler as a player. I like his style of play, but he wasn't that guy last year for for obvious reasons. I mean, nothing that he could do about it. He was in extreme pain, had a major surgery, learning how to skate and walk correctly again. You know, it's not something you recover from within a month. But I mean, we got what? How many months until training camp? You're looking at five? Yeah. Five months that he has and he's already been off four month. well, yeah, months, maybe six months. Four
1: months until until training camp and about five months, I believe, until the start of the regular season. So he's got time, but like this is just from from what I'm when I'm looking at it, like I, I feel like people are thrown off by the words retirement and then not playing for next season but when you read it when you read through it it's almost like he's just kind of speculating like those are Elliot Friedman's thoughts on the situation it's not like he was getting it from a source that he's not going to play he said it might be a situation where he sits out and tries to come back or you know he's not considering retiring I mean I could go and say Sidney Crosby's not considering retiring and somebody's going to take it the other way and say oh Sidney Crosby's retiring I mean you know somebody's going to take it that way I think he's just saying that that's just not an option for Kessler. I don't think it means it's gotten to that point. Obviously, the rehab hasn't gone the way they've expected, but I think it got blown way out of proportion from maybe what he meant. But it definitely it still isn't a good sign. I mean, we all hope that he would be back and be a big part of this team. I mean, the window's closing. If the Ducks are going to make another run at at least getting far in the playoffs, Kessler's going to be a big part of that. And the fact that he might not even play next season is is it's worrying, and I understand the the stress coming out of a lot of the fans.
0: Yeah, but I think it's exactly what you said. It's a rumor. I mean, or yeah. maybe it was maybe it was like mentioned, like you know, that's a possibility that they were yeah. talked about. It's a possibility. It's going to take longer. So let's flip this on its head and let's talk about it as if it is going to happen. Um, and this is a stretch. I mean, obviously, you and I don't have any inside information. We're just kind of breaking this down as if this is going to be the scenario that the Ducks are, are going to be dealing with this you've, summer.
1: You've got Bob Murray. It's like cell phone number in your back pocket uh, from, from meeting well, at Starbucks. Mean, like, come on, you, you're telling me you don't have <laughs> any sources into this information? You can't, can't do a little bit of legwork and get us some, some background information?
0: He would just say lower body injury and they're working on it. That's all he yeah, would tell me. You know, they don't want to get specific even though the specifics are out there. <laughs> Bob hasn't called me in a couple of months. So.
1: <laughs> you gotta meet him up so, uh, for another
0: date at Starbucks. I got to hit him on Thursday, man. Tomorrow's the day. I'll be there in the Thank morning, you. Bob. I know he's listening right now too. He always tries to get inside info from us, what we know about the rest of the league. <laughs> um, so Kessler is entering the third year of his six-year deal um, with the with the Ducks, and he's got six point eight seven five million in cap space, a full no-move clause, uh, a modified no-trade, but not to the last uh, last season, which is $21-$22 22. If he comes off the books, it doesn't come off entirely, right? Um, LTIR, yeah, is going to probably take half I'm or around sure. half. From my I, understanding, I know
1: there's like a 35 and over rule where like it doesn't get covered. And and I, again, I don't in depth this feature is on cap friendly, but if you run, so that's with their... buyout, yeah, with a like, buyout. If you buy out a guy's contract, when everyone
0: was like complaining, myself included, about yeah. you know getting rid of uh, Kevin Bieksa like if you if you bought him out or something like that it, like the cap hit is still there but the financial part of it the money side of it goes away
1: i think with the long term injured i think that's reserve, what that works it, it I could gets be wrong. completely covered i think because i know like guys like david clarkson and joffrey Lupel and nathan Horton, like they had some big salaries but they got completely covered cuz they're on the long term injured reserve so i feel like if ryan kessler gets put on the, the ltir that the whole thing gets covered obviously until he comes back because uh, the ducks i believe the ducks got all of patrick eves salary off the books when he was on the long term injury reserve i i, I mean I, I it's hard for me to go back and double check that but i believe that's the case unless a guy is 35 or and over and then there's a certain a certain rule about putting them on the long term injury reserve after that point and how much salary can actually be taken off the cap hit um i think the only way they escape his entire salary right now for sure is if he was to retire um but yeah or somehow they
0: if they trade it but they can't he's got a no move clause so yeah who in the ducks pool of players would you say coming up or currently in the lineup would be able to slot in and take his spot then
1: well i mean the the obvious one is adam henry probably just slots up to second line center Um, Whether he goes right in there with Cogliano and Silverberg or they mix the lines up, that remains to be seen. But I I think he's the guy that easily fits into second-line center. And then it all depends on, I guess, from there, what you do with third-line center because there's a couple guys coming up next year in Troy Terry who is a center by trade, might be a winger in the NHL, but he's a guy you could try at third-line center. I think the, the best option would hope that Sam Steele impresses in camp and can come in and step in at the third line center. I mean, we were talking about him playing fourth line if he was gonna play enough minutes, and now this opportunity per se opens up where he could get some third line minutes with maybe a guy like Andre Casher or Corey Perry or Andrew Cogliano or at least some, some capable players on his wing. Uh, and he might not he might get a very good shot out of camp. It all depends. I mean this is all speculation. But those, you know, looking at the inside, those are a couple of options I think that the, the Ducks can easily go to without uh, moving the needle too much. I mean, would you want to see Raquel go back to center? Uh, you could, but, I mean, I, I feel like that ship is kind of sailed. But you never know. I, I mean, the, he's kind of gone back and forth there until really this season where he was a staple on the left wing with Ryan Getzlaff, and that didn't change. And then, of course, bringing in Adam Henrique and then having – Ryan Kessler and Ryan Getzlaff, there was really no need to move him to center. Uh, that option maybe is still available, but he's looked pretty good on the wing. You know Why Why fix what's not broken? Uh, I mean, yeah, he was a center in junior, but there's a lot of kids who end up playing center in junior. They come up, can't cut it, and end up moving to the wing. Uh, it, it happens all the time, and, and I think for Raquel, you know, that could be an option if they want to have three, three quality centers, like if they want Getzlaff, Raquel, and Adam Henrique then that's a way they could go. Uh, That limits their options on the wing a lot. And I'm sure we all loved how Raquel looked on the left side of Ryan Getzlaff. I don't think they really want to change that up and and mess anything up there.
0: No, especially with the option of Patrick Eves coming back to take the other wing. I mean, that's something the Ducks have been trying to get a a solidified top line since Perry's production, as we all know, is is regressing season by season. Um, And what about the thoughts... And I don't think it's happening, but like, what are your thoughts on Cali Kostela coming up, if this is the case for Ryan Kessler from the Gulls?
1: I mean, he's the most likely guy f- that was in San Diego last year at center to call up a, He who's arguably their best player. Um, but I, I, again, I think for those guys, him, Sam Steele, Troy Terry, I think it comes down to training camp, honestly, and who impresses more. He might have a slight edge over a guy like Sam Steele because he's played a couple seasons in pro hockey down in San Diego and he's played a handful of games. I think he's played about 12 games with the Ducks. So he's got a little bit of experience that that might win out if they're very close in training camp. But I'm sure the Ducks are eager to get Sam Steele in the lineup based off of not just the, his Memorial Cup play uh, a couple of weeks ago, but just based off his play with Regina in general and in the World Juniors. I, I think we're all waiting for him to get into the lineup. And if it's close, it's going to be a tough call. But... He, he could, he, you know, he honestly could. I, I think he projects more as a winger, just like I, I do with Ricard Raquel. I think even when Calisoli came up, he did play on the wing. Um, so so that's an option, but I, I think Sam Steele might win out if he can impress at center.
0: I mean, that would be a
1: great option, right, if he's able to come out and play at that level, just based
0: yeah. on his performance um, coming up through, was it the OHL he was playing in, correct?
1: The, the WHL.
0: W-H-L. So yeah. him coming up through would be great if he's able to repeat anywhere close to that. I mean, he put up insane numbers the last two seasons. And like you just talked about Memorial Cup, you know, winning the MVP of that whole thing. Yeah, um, Just a highly regarded player in the, in the Ducks' depth chart. Um, Henrique does seem like the most logical move. Um, I would have to go with, with that. I mean, mainly because his, his line wasn't running on all cylinders anyway. So yeah. why not mix it up and put him on the line with... Andrew Cogliano and Jacob Silverberg to start next season if this is the case with Brian Kessler. Um, but what? Do you, how do you feel about if they were to make a move? Is there something along a free agent that you're interested in, or a trade you'd be interested in checking out based on who's available?
1: At center, uh, it's tough because you know if Brian Kessler is just out for a bit, then I don't think they go down a trade again because they already did that when they got Adam Henrique. And if you think he's going to come back and you make a trade for a second-line or a third-line center, and then you've given away an asset for a guy that doesn't really fit in your lineup and Ryan Kessler comes back. But but free agency could be an option. Um, and, and again, it all depends on the status of Ryan Kessler, but there are some big names out there. I mean, Paul Statsny, and you look at what he did with uh, Winnipeg when he went over there and he was playing with um, with Patrick Laine and I believe Nikolai Ehlers on a line that really gelled together quickly. Uh, he would be a guy that would end up costing a lot, and again, that would have to be the case if Ryan Kessler was put on the long-term injury reserve for them to even be able to afford to bring him in. He made uh, $7.5 million last year, That was, but that was from his uh, contract in Colorado. He probably would make about 5 or 6 based off um, the, the centers available in free agency this year. That That's like a top end, uh, and we'll get to the, the real top end with John Tavares later. Um, but there's some minor options, I guess. I mean, I don't know how you feel about these guys, but Tyler Bozak, Thomas Placanik, Valtteri Filpula, Matt and oh. I mean, they're, they're not sexy names out there. Um, really, they're most of them, maybe other than Tyler Bozak, are borderline, fourth-line centers. Um, I don't know. How, how do you feel about a guy, like, if you had to, bring a guy like Tyler Bozak? I mean, he had 42 points in 80 games last year may uh, was making 4.2 million i mean he's a he's a stopgap option at least for now at third line center until Ryan Kessler comes back but if you end up paying him three million is it even worth it um I feel like it might be he has what
0: 98 points over his last 159 games yeah it's nothing that's not too shabby for a guy who's 32. I don't think he's gonna get four million dollars out of the ducks um he might get two. I mean, I, I don't see him getting more than that. And he's exactly what I feel the Ducks would want in a player, right? I mean, he's yeah. reliable and he's Wins a third line off, guy. That's the center big thing depth. Right there,
1: right? <laughs> yeah.
0: So. I mean, and even a cheaper option for Boston, a guy like Riley Nash. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. doesn't put up a ton of points. He had his most points of his career last year with 41. So, I mean, there's an option there, too. And that's it's more or less the pocketbook. Of, uh, of the Ducks trying not to spend a ton of money, although the cap is rumored to be going up as much to $82 million, if I remember correctly, which would give the Ducks plenty of breathing room if they wanted to bring in somebody big, but I don't know how much they're willing to spend since they've spent to the cap this year. Um, I don't know. I feel like if I could pick any of these guys, I mean, obviously, you're out of the realm of possibility, in my eyes, is John Tavares, um, and we can get to that in a bit. I know we just said that, but I mean... What about a Paul Stastny? That's the guy that I, I would like fitting in here on the Ducks. I think he'd be a great player for Anaheim. I mean, how do you feel about him? He had a great showing with the Jets. He didn't play too
1: bad in the playoffs at all. Yeah, no, I would I would love him to, to be a member of the Ducks. Again, the only issue I keep coming back to is if Ryan Kessler ends up coming back, then you've got a Getzlaff, Kessler, Henrik, and Stastny on the middle. I mean, there's no way you're playing one of those guys on the fourth line. I think even last year is a bit of a stretch playing Adam Henrique on the third line based off his production and the type of player I think he thinks he could be is more of a second line center. So it's tough. I mean if if Ryan Kessler either publicly if it's publicly stated that he's out for the entire season or if he ends up retiring, which obviously we don't hope happens, but that could be a possibility where then you have all that cap space and you can go out and and you know almost like for like in production um, you could bring in a guy like Paul Statsy. That That's a possibility. But, I mean, th- let's be honest. I think the most likely option for the Ducks here is they go out and they get probably a fourth-line guy for cover, maybe bring back Derek Grant or go out and get Jay Beagle or Derek Ryan or Mark Latetsu and, and just kind of bring in a guy who can move up and down the third and fourth line until he gets back or, or and hoping that a guy in the system already like Kelly Costler or Sam Steele can actually get things going out of camp and, and be a big part of the lineup. Yeah, I would agree. That's more the duck style. They're not going to yeah. bring in a flashy
0: guy that's going to steal a veteran's spot. I mean, Kessler is part of the leadership and core of this group, and they, I don't think them bringing in a guy, a big name, would rub him the right way. You know what I mean? He's, since he's trying to come back from a major injury, um, that he'd be like, oh, great, now you got a star player to come take my spot? Like, well, what does that mean to me? Um, that's just not the Ducks' style. I think more or less their style is going to bring in a guy to fill a role, like you just said, in the bottom six, and then move a guy up. Derek Grant's obviously a guy. They made him top-line center for some points last year through all the injuries. And then Gordon Bombay mentioned in our chat, Kostla has the experience. Can't see RC skipping him. I'd have to agree with that, too. I mean, RC loves guys that have, have any kind of playing time in the NHL, and you know he always makes the young guys earn it. And I think Costello would definitely be an option if they can't go out and grab somebody to fill a bottom six or they just bring up a kid.
1: Yeah, and Chase hits on that too. He says preseason could be the testing ground for replacements. And, and that seems like more the direction the Ducks tend to go. Is I think they have a lot of faith in the prospects they have coming up. You know, Again, mentioning Callie Costello and Sam Steele and even Troy Terry and trying these guys out at center. and And still, they have that backup option if they really want to go that way and move Ricard Raquel to second-line center. Again, it's not something I'd want to see, and even Connor in our chat said that he'd be against it, but that is a backup, backup option for them if they want to go that route. Um, if, they, if they're very desperate and guys just aren't working out, Sam Steele ends up not being ready, Cali Costler doesn't impress out of camp, Troy Terry's not working at center, then maybe if it's too late after and you didn't get a free agent uh, on July 1st, then maybe you move Raquel to second-line center and at least you can do that. Uh, for the time being, until you either go out and acquire a center or find a, a different option to move in there. All right. Well, let's let's talk about the sexy names. Um, let's start with
0: uh, <laughs> let's start with the one we, we pushed back twice in a matter of two minutes. John Tavares. Um, Lou Lamorello is now at the island, and he's making a hard press to get John Tavares signed to a long term contract with probably as much money as he can give him as possible to keep that team relevant. Because Tavares, I mean, I would assume isn't very happy with the way things have gone and the way Gar Snow has managed the roster. Um, how do you feel about, first of all, Tavares staying in the island? And secondly, the longest shot ever. I mean, because I feel like I titled this part, could the impossible be possible? Yeah. I don't see Tavares landing in Anaheim whatsoever. But what do you make of the situation and overall what you think he could be uh, thinking about when, when in terms of coming out west?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think the Ducks have a shot at John Tavares. And I think the only way it would even be considered is, again, if Ryan Kessler is, is determined that he's, not, he's going to miss the entire season and more so likely if he was forced to retire that the Ducks would even consider it. I mean, if there's any chance Ryan Kessler comes back and that $6.8 million salary comes back on the books, if you go out and you sign a guy like John Tavares, so he's probably going to get at least $10 million per season. Based off the, the elite superstars in the National Hockey League, and the fact that we haven't seen a guy like this hit free agency in a long time, the closest we got was with Steven Stamkos, and then he signed the deal days before free agency. So um, I, I don't think it's possible for the Ducks. They would have to to have Kessler's contract off the books, and he wouldn't. There would have to be no possibility of him returning to Anaheim for that to happen. As for John Tavares' future. I think there's a. I think the most likely scenario for him is he probably resigns in in, um, in New York with the Islanders, and that always. Might, yeah, I mean that might fringe on them going out and, and pursuing a guy like James Genereemsdyk or Ilya Kovalchuk and bringing in some suitable wingers to play with him. But there is some promise there. I mean, you've got Matt Barzell, who uh, was the Rookie of the Year this year in the National Hockey League, it was just a, a great season for him. So there's there's some upside there. They've got some good young prospects coming up on the blue line and in net. So there's some hope for the future. I mean, Tavares is 27. He's still got some good years left, probably about five or six years left, where you really think he's got the best shot in his career of winning the Cup. And it's going to come down if he thinks he's going to have those best years with the Islanders or if he's going to have it somewhere else. And I think in the end, he'll resign in New York. But there's going to be a lot of teams out there willing to pay big money for John Tavares. You know, Montreal, San Jose, St. Louis. I'm Vegas. Vegas. I mean, pretty much any team that could afford him and needs either a one or a two center. I mean, Toronto's been rumored to, to be in on him. Columbus, they're on See, Oh, yeah, my God. I know, but you know, tr- Columbus is an interesting one for me because they desperately need a franchise first-line center more than anybody. I mean, they've got Pierre-Luc Dubois, who can probably be a second-line guy when he reaches his full potential. Alexander Wenberg's a second-line guy, third-line guy, but they don't have that John Tavares type of player. I mean, imagine him playing with Artemi Panarin on the first line in Columbus. That's really all they need, in my opinion, to push them over the hump. I mean, they've got a Vesna goaltender and Bobrovsky. They've got elite blue liners, young blue liners, in Seth Jones and Zach Roransky. Uh, I, I guess you can call him a franchise player. I mean, he's their best player in Artemi Panarin. I mean, that, in my opinion, would be the best fit if he wanted to win championships now and into the future would be Columbus, but I, I don't know if they end up pulling the trigger or not.
0: Those good old Canadian boys always resign with their yeah. hometown. Yeah. With the people who drafted them. They never go anywhere. I mean, poor Shane Doan suffered all the way to the end. <laughs> it's yeah, just he's not moving ended up anywhere. going
1: back to Tampa Bay, even though yeah. all the rumors were he was going to go to Toronto, and then he ends up signing back in Tampa. And, of course, it's worked out well for him so far. So I, I think he, you know I think JT goes back to, to the island but we'll have to wait and see I mean the, the situation is I think hinges on more than just player personnel there. I think you know where they're going to be actually playing their games is important because they're playing in Brooklyn right now and that's been a just a big mess for them and for John Tavares. So I think he needs some, some clarification on the future of where the island are, are going to be playing and that needs to be a long term thing for, for him if he's going to resign there. Didn't they get an arena deal done? I believe so. I, I they believe did, they're, yeah. they're back out there, but you know that's just one part of, of stuff that needs to happen. For, I think for him to stay there, there's a lot going on with the Islanders. That's a big mess. and the, the, the arena was one part of that. Um, some help yeah, how about a guy who wing. can stop a puck? Exactly. Some help on Lord. the wing. An actual goaltender in, in the island. I mean, they have a good guy over in Russia, but... One, with Russian players, you never know when they're going to come over. I mean, Sevgeny Kuznetsov, it took him forever to come over to, to watch And Akushin's coming back, too, I heard. Yeah, but then with goaltenders, again, the development time for goaltenders is even longer, and you've got three great goaltenders in Russia right now, one for the Islanders, one for the Rangers. I can't remember where the other is ends up playing for, but the time waiting for these guys to come over seems like it's even longer than waiting for some of the forwards to come over, and, and the Islanders need him now. Uh, because trying to win with Yaroslav Halak or Thomas Grice is just gonna cut it and you don't get these elite goaltenders in free agency.
0: No. Especially goaltending. I mean you kinda yeah. most
1: of those guys get brought up through the
0: farm system. You don't you don't see a lot of big name free agent goalies, right? Yeah. And you don't get uh, traded trades too often.
1: I mean the, the last yeah. one I can remember where an elite goaltender or a goaltender is elite now that ended up getting traded was Tuka Rask when Toronto traded him uh, in the Phil Kessel deal, I believe it was. Oops. So <laughs> so that's the only one I can remember. I mean, Malcolm Subban went on waivers to Vegas, but he's not really an elite goaltender. At the time, he was a maybe a top prospect, but he's not going to be an elite guy.
0: Speaking of uh, Phil Kessel, times aren't so happy in Pittsburgh with him. Uh, apparently, he's not being shopped, but the Pittsburgh Penguins are definitely listening to any offers that would be thrown out. Um, I know he's not... The, the name that you would see coming to Anaheim either but I mean is there a possibility there I mean there uh, the word off the, the article that I was reading from the from the athletic was saying that uh, Sullivan believes that Kessel was kind of selfish for complaining about his ice time not being with Malkin and then uh, <laughs> something about him being the first guy off at practice most days and presumably spends more time at the casino than he does breaking down game film so and then and the article also stated that it seems like Sullivan's uh, power in Pittsburgh is almost unlimited. So he had 92 points last season. He's making $6.8 million in the cap for the next four years. So he's 30. Is this something that you could see happening for Anaheim? Is this is this a, a wing replacement that the Ducks could possibly look at?
1: I, I don't know about happening for Anaheim, but I think there's a good possibility it could happen in general. I, I mean, about Mark Sullivan having... All power. I mean, essentially, he does. He comes into the organization and immediately just wins. He's got, what, two Stanley Cups now in three years, I believe, with with the team. Uh, I mean, there's no way he's the one who's going to be leaving. So if there's an issue that can't be resolved between him and Phil Kessel, it would be Phil Kessel who's going out the door. Uh, and, And they would fetch a lot for him. I mean, he's been a better player coming over to Pittsburgh than when he was with Toronto. And you know, he'll fetch a lot despite having a decent salary cap attached to him. And, and, you know, the ducks could make it work, but it would, it would, it would take some, some crafty work by Bob Murray. Uh, I mean, I feel like Jakob Silverberg would have to be included in that deal. To least they would work. want a defenseman. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but to <laughs> to relieve some cap, Jakob Silverberg probably has to be a part of that. And then you would assume that Pittsburgh asks for a guy like Brandon Montour. Um, to, to be a part of that deal, you know, maybe Jakob Larson, but you would think they would want a more established guy to keep trying to win now. And I think Brandon Montour would be a piece they would ask for. And, and I don't know if I would do that. Honestly, I don't you know. It's, it is a huge upgrade, Phil Kessel over Jakob Silverberg, but then having to include Brandon Montu in there where we already have issues on defense. And then you also get older by bringing in Phil Kessel and you have to deal with that salary now for four years, I, I don't think it's a smart move for Anaheim, but, I mean, realistically, it does make them better up front.
0: Well, just make it easy and trade Corey Perry, like a lot of Dutch yeah. said. You know, it's so easy <laughs> to trade a guy with a no-move clause. Um, yeah, no, no, I'd agree with you. I don't think he's going to come here. I think he's either going to go to L.A. because they have a really good danger dog. Um, I don't know if you've heard about those in L.A. The, the hot dogs down there are awesome, bacon-wrapped uh, dogs out in the street. Or uh, New York Rangers. They also have a, a great uh, street dog up in New York. So. I think Phil it's the Thrill the will dogs, end up right? somewhere. And it's the hot the dogs. Here? It's got go. to go. Maybe Chicago. The Chicago dog's pretty good too. And I no one, one likes say, New yeah. Jersey. They're all about No, no but California. like I was
1: going from a hockey side of it, and then I started <laughs> catching, catching on to what you were saying with the hot dogs, and then I was like, okay, I'm not gonna even chime in here with with anything. So <laughs> he's gonna go to one of those two. It's just got to
0: be. But no, I don't. I don't see him coming to Anaheim. It's unfortunate that he's a. Kind of soiling a good thing in Pittsburgh because he's a huge piece there and has been a part of a, a lot of memories, in, in that city obviously winning cups. But uh, be curious to see where he lands. But I'm with you, man. I don't see him landing in Anaheim either. Um,
1: uh, Connor actually brings up a good point in this in our chat here that I haven't really thought about, and is that uh, we, he said we should talk about Gibson's next contract because he can actually sign his extension on July 1st because he's got just next year left and then the Ducks have to resign him. Uh, and there's a good chance that they try and get that done this off season to, to not have to worry about it when he's an RFA next year. Uh, do you think they, they get that done on July 1st and get it out of the way with, if they don't go and hunt down a guy like James Van Riemsdyk or some of the bigger name free agents? Um, that's a tough call because they've got a
0: lot of people they got to throw money at, um, that yeah. are going to be needing contracts here. Um, and Gibson, obviously, I feel like he's deserved a raise, but I don't see him getting more than like four million dollars. I, I just it, with his it, with his point, injuries mean, that he's yeah. Like I mean, he's, he's had one really good year, one yeah. really good year this season, and I'm not trying to, to discredit him on that because he worked really hard and a lot of the injuries kind of weren't on him. Um, but prior to that, he kind of had an injury riddled you know career with the Ducks, yeah. so I think that. They're probably going to give him a smaller deal and kind of see what they get from him. Um, they still have another year of, uh, of Ryan Miller, and I can't see them spending a ton of money on goaltending. That's just not the way you win in the league. There's yeah. a few goalies that make absurd money, and you know, look what happened to Carey Price. I mean, his year of like ten million dollars or eight million dollars a year kicks in next year, and that guy like fell off the face of the earth last year with injuries and not being able to come back, you know, properly. It's a dangerous yeah. game with goaltenders. And,
1: and then it's not even like even if he comes back and he's just as good as he was. Now the team in now Montreal has the ten million anchor essentially on the back end that they can't really build a team around. I, I mean, you don't necessarily need an elite goaltender to win the, win the Stanley Cup. Um, I, I think it's it's more of a hindrance to have a guy in net making ten million dollars when you could have a guy up front making ten million dollars. I mean, honestly, if you if you were a team that was trying to compete, would you rather be paying John Tavares $10 million as your first-line center or would you rather be paying Carey Price $10 million in net? I would rather yeah. have John Tavares up front and, and then have a guy in net who's around average or, or something like that. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury has been wonderful for Vegas in the playoffs. You know, he, yes, he's an elite goaltender, but, you know... I don't necessarily think you need elite goaltender to win the cup. It's been proven at times with you know Matt Murray. is a great goaltender, but I don't think he's elite. And Pittsburgh was able to win two cups with Matt Murray, and they're based off the team they had in front of him and him getting. Hot he looked and pretty well. damn elite during yeah, his two years for sure. But I think you know, <laughs> all it really takes is for a goalie to get hot and take you there. Yeah, and yes, of no, course, I an elite that. goalie is going to get hot more often than a guy who's not elite. But you don't need that guy in the back end to win the cup. And I think you need that guy up front. You need a Sidney Crosby. You need a John Tavares. And then Vegas is going to prove me wrong these playoffs and, and show me that you don't need one of those guys. But I think I honestly think you'd need one of those guys. And I'd rather have a, a guy up front making ten million than a guy in the back end.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you too, man. I mean, ten million dollars a year starting next year, and a guy who's been injured a bunch, and I mean he's thirty years old. Talking about Carey Price not getting any younger, he'll be 31 by the time the season starts. <laughs> so, eight years yeah. at $10 bucks, Going to be crazy. Um, so, going back to John Gibson, where do you kind of see his contract settling in? I mean, I, I would I would see it maybe being like a 4x4 four four
1: yeah. is what he's
0: going to get out of it.
1: I don't think he takes another bridge deal. Um, I mean, I think a 4x4 four four is the closest thing we get to a bridge deal. Um, you know, Connor said 5 at 5.5. I think that that sounds like something that he could get on the high end. Uh, he was expecting six years at seven million-ish. I don't think Gibson's worth close to seven million at this point. I mean, like you said, he had the the great season last year, which he definitely earned it. Before that, he had a pretty good season. You know, he's gotten better year after year. But I think at this point, I don't think you throw seven million at a guy who's injury-prone like John Gibson. And hope that you know he's going to continue to have seasons like this for the next six years. I think you need a, a bigger sample size of success, and uh, and I wouldn't be comfortable really throwing more than five and a half at him at this time. And even if that means not re-upping him on July first and just waiting it out till next season, he is an RFA, so you do have all the time in the world to wait. I mean, they waited with Raquel and with Hampus Lindholm as well, so. By all means, they could probably just wait through the season, see how he does, see if he doesn't suffer any injuries, and if he has a, a similar season to this year, uh, numbers-wise, then maybe he's worth the money at that point, and then you can wait and, and at least have that extra uh, extra season under your belt in the sample size and, and make a judgment off that.
0: I mean, yeah, Bob said they need to get faster, and
1: uh, you don't yeah. have to worry too much about
0: that in goaltending, especially with John Gibson. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking the way he did at the end of last season, or all, really all season, he looked great. But uh, right now he's making $2.3 per, and he's going to be 25 years old at the start of next season. So he'll have effectively, what, two seasons of him being an RFA? Yeah. So a bridge deal, essentially you're talking about two years, and then you're going to have to pay. Um, but if you're going to get him long term, you're going to have to pay for those, those uh, UFA years. The, yeah. the, the cost is going to go up. So the Ducks got to kind of be careful. They navigate through here because they do need to figure out what's happening and how this team is going to respond next season about being faster. So Bob made that comment. I'm curious to see how he's going to retool this team in the offseason. And, I mean, having a goaltender to resign that you kind of just can't pluck out of anywhere is important as well. So I don't know. I, I see I see that around a, around four or $5 million bucks probably for four years. That's the way I can picture it being at. Yeah. Um so what about uh, the new coach coming up and helping out the Ducks? Uh, Trent Yanni goes to the Oilers and along with Glenn Gullitson to go and assist there with uh, McCle- uh, McClellan. And then now you have um, Marty Wilford being called up from the goals to come and run the defense with the Ducks. This is huge uh, because he's been there for the Ducks throughout the development of all the big guys we're talking about in the Ducks pipeline for the uh, the defensive depth chart. Len Manson. Um, Montour, and now he's got a bunch of young other young guys coming through that we've, we've been talking about. We've seen recently, right? Your Josh Mahura's coming up, mm-hmm. Jacob Larson, Megna. So this guy's done a number for the Ducks, and now we're going to see him up with a big club.
1: Yeah, and a bit of foreshadowing, but it kind of paves the way to have a guy who's familiar with Eakin's coaching style behind the bench in the NHL level. So, I mean, that kind of plays into it a bit too. But, yeah, I, I'm happy with him. We've always liked promoting guys from the inside and bringing them up because I feel like they of course know more about the organization than bringing a guy from the outside and especially if it's just an assistant coach then I think it's better to have a guy coming up through the organization because you don't there's not there's not a big of a learning curve coming in you don't have to learn the organization he's been here for what 7 years now so I mean he knows he knows the Ducks and the players on the Ducks pretty well he's seen most of them come up through the AHL and into the organization of course playing in Anaheim so He's got a lot of experience. I think it was a logical move to come in and replace Trenyani and take over the defensive side of things, and I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm, hope, uh, I'm hoping it changes some, some things up, and, and we see some improvements on that end because it was a struggle in the playoffs. And, and again, a lot of that comes to personnel, and the Ducks really didn't have a, um, a bottom pairing to really rely on. But uh, it, it's a move for the future, and I think uh, we'll see the benefits of that hopefully next season.
0: Yeah, and that moves on to uh, Dallas Eakins, your favorite Pokemon, as you talked about with me last night. I have a sound bit
1: that I want to play because (laughs) I was waiting for this moment, and I have the sound bit. So I'm going to play the sound bit, and of course you won't be able to hear it, but everybody else can hear it, and I'm pretty proud of it.
0: Who's that Pokemon?
1: Okay, continue. You can continue. (laughs) Your favorite. I, I had to get it in there because it was... It was bothering me yesterday, and I had to make sure I got it in there. Yeah, I had no clue what you were getting at. Um, I'm not I'm not part
0: of uh, the Pokemon fan club. My wife knew exactly what it was, though, so I made me laugh. But uh, he's coming up and getting a, a renewal. He had his first three seasons with the Gulls, two times went to the Calder Cup, both times lost in the second round. Uh, last season missed the playoffs, but he's done a great job uh, with a team that's, as you and I talked about pre-show a little sure, especially on the Ford group side, um, but he looks like he's getting a three-year contract and he's going to have some reinforcements coming in and, and the likes of Max Jones, Sam Steele and others. So this should be an exciting team down in San Diego.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's getting an influx of talent. He he really hasn't had a great team on the forward side of things down in his three years with San Diego. It's, it's been more the defense that's kind of impressed. And of course, Theodore Montour have been a big part of that the last three years that he's been there. But now you've got Sam Steele and Max Jones and Troy Terry all coming over. And then on the blue line, you've got Josh Maher who's likely to come over as well. You've got all this influx of talent. And if they all start there, I mean, this could be a great year for San Diego and for Dallas Eakins. And it really sets up uh, uh, for him to take over from Randy Carla. I mean, if he has a great year down in San Diego and the Ducks struggle again or, or really anything, honestly, I think at this point with Marty Wilford getting... The assistant coach job in Anaheim and, and Eakins getting the extension for three years and here's Randy sitting here with his contract up at the, at the end of next year and still hasn't gotten anything from it I think it's almost inevitable at this point and I'm excited by it I mean Eakins has had a winning season each year that he's been with San Diego 39 and 23 in his first year 43 and 20 and 5 in his second year and last year he went 36 28 and 4 and just missed out on the playoffs so it's been a good season. Uh, it's been a good three seasons for him. You know, he, he had winning seasons when he was with the Marlies as well and then kind of got shafted in his first uh, year and a half with the Oilers where he had some very, very bad teams that uh, people had hoped would be good. Obviously bringing in Neely Ackbar didn't work out for them. Relied heavily on Taylor Hall and Jordan Eberle to try to carry the way. And uh, they had Ben Scrivens in net for both of those seasons. So not much you can really blame on coaching there. So I think uh, he's due another shot in the NHL. And hopefully that's next year or the year after, sorry, with the Ducks.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. Looking at uh, Randy Carlisle, maybe he's going to be on the hot seat here if the Ducks get off to a bad start and you might see something change. I mean, we didn't see a coach fire till what, the very end? Or was it the, the end of the season this year
1: with Elaine Vino, if I remember correctly? Yeah. I believe so uh, did we get through the whole season I know we got through to like the halfway mark and it was a big thing because I think we the, there was like they had made it to that point where coach hadn't got fired in a long time I think we made it to season's end though I don't think anybody got fired and yeah Alan Vino was the guy who got fired like right I think when playoffs started he got fired or like right after the season ended he was ready to go I think it was comical because it was like a day after the season ended uh, I, think the, the I think that was I think that was
0: the first one I, I honestly, yeah. I, I might have been the only
1: one. Well, yeah, because he happened. got fired, and then it, then Glenn Goldson got fired in Calgary, right? Right. And then um, I think that was it. I think, aren't those the only, the only two guys who got fired? There was a couple. And of then like, I, off the top of my head that I can think of, yeah. Yeah, there's like Lou Lamorello was like going Toronto, but that he's a general manager, and uh, Carolina, oh, Carolina shook up their coaching staff too, Bill Peters. Got uh, well, oh, Dallas that's too. True. Dallas uh, Hitchcock retired, so Dallas lost a coach as well. Right, but that was planned. Yeah. So, but still, th- there was a couple things there where, with guys moving around, and uh, who who just signed the coach at a Boston University? Uh the Rangers. Oh, the Rangers. The Rangers. Right. So yep. it was the Rangers. Okay. So yeah. So there was four coaching jobs that that shifted, but it was until the off season. So
0: yeah, I mean Randy could have his hands full he gets the pass for the injuries this year um i think bob murray does too i don't think ownership's gonna look to get rid of him um but next season is gonna be just interesting how this team shakes out because bob murray's in charge of the player uh, personnel bringing bringing guys in randy carlisle's in charge of how he manages their ice time but he can only move the pieces that he's given so I think Bob's kind of got to watch himself this summer as well and, and put together a competitive team for next season. I mean, get faster. Let's see it. you got a lot of no-move clauses everywhere, man. Um, you see how that works out for him. But, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind Dallas Eacons coming in and taking over if things got shook up. And I think by bringing in an assistant coach, that would just make it that much easier because you don't have to worry about cleaning out an entire coaching staff. you just got to yeah. worry about replacing the head coach. Yeah,
1: um, and interesting thing that I saw yesterday, I think, that Bob was saying... Uh, was he said that the difference between the ducks and the sharks in that series was fourth liners like Marcus Sorensen and Melker Carlson and those types of guys? So it's another quote that kind of confirms what he's looking to do this off season is add speed and then just add some depth to the fourth line because the ducks fourth line wasn't great. Uh, I mean, it, well, it really dude, they, they got Captain Canada and Jason <laughs> Chimera who
0: are extremely fast players.
1: Yeah. Well, he goes from that. And he goes from saying like he goes from getting those two guys at the deadline. To then say, oh, we should have had guys like Melker Carlson and, and Marcus Sorensen. Well, then you should have gone out and got some of those guys or brought a guy like Cali Kossel up from, from San Diego or Kevin Waugh and, and then had some guys like that on your roster. I mean, you have guys like that down in San Diego. So it, it's tough to sit there and complain saying we didn't have those guys when you probably could have called up those guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, not, it's, like, it's uh, like it's science. You know, you just yeah. got to figure
1: out what you need and bring it up. It's in the system.
0: Uh, yeah. Whatever. Bob... Bob made mistakes. Hopefully, he can yeah. he can clear those up this summer. Um, do you want to get over to some uh, listener questions from social media?
1: Yeah, sure. I'll have to. I, we had a couple on um, Twitter, and I think we got one on um, Instagram yesterday. So let me pull up the Twitter ones here. All right, so we had Alex McKay asked. He said, "How short is Randy's lease this year, and will he get another free pass because of injuries?"
0: Um, I would say his leash, they got it. You can't have, if, if everyone's healthy and they have an October, like they had last October, he's in trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And then and I don't, I don't think they're going to again.
0: No, the injuries are done. You can't, you can't, you know, say Ryan Kessler is going to give him a free pass. If, if it turns out that the Kessler news or rumors are, are going to come true, there's plenty of people that can step in and kind of fill that role partially until he's, he's healthy or replaced with somebody who's equally as talented. Um, if that's the case, but yeah, I, I don't think the injuries are going to matter, and he's got to he's got to put this team up and, and perform. If they, I mean, they got to be near the top of the division uh, for the first half of the season for him to be okay.
1: Yeah, what happens if they win the cup? Like, does he just get signed long term for oh, six years, <laughs> and then he's yeah. just here for for the bad days that follow after that? And then we're sitting here saying, well, why did why did Bob Murray do that and sign him for for six years and I, I I mean it would be great you won the cup, yeah, but then you also have Randy Carlisle signed for six years or whatever how long he gets signed after that.
0: If the if the only way that they even get to that point next season with the with the cup is if everyone has insane right it's an insane run, everyone gets hot yeah. and they know how to be disciplined. And that's yeah. one of the biggest problems the ducks have is staying out of the damn box. They can't do it and it goes all the way up to management. They love yeah. this big you know, buff grinding game where you run guys, you yap all the time, you give guys little wax, and it's just it's a culture on that team that it, it just goes up to management. And I feel like Randy Carlisle is a huge part of that. You got to rein your guys in. Who cares yeah. about who's the captain or alternate captain? I mean, you got to bring these guys in, and that can't be okay. I mean, they had an atrocious game three uh, and the, against the Sharks in the playoffs that I was out of control. Like, what, what the hell was going on there, Randy? Bring your guys in um like not so only would that, guys
1: have to get hot either I mean like the young guys like Steele and Jones and Terry would all they would have to fill in the lineup and like do well I mean like going by base in the Chinese to win the cup I'm more worried we might not make the playoffs I mean that's essentially where the Ducks are at I don't actually think they're gonna win the cup but I could just imagine a scenario where they do and then Randy Carlisle gets like a 10-year deal and we're all sitting here crying for the next 10 years
0: like kind of what happened up in the Long Island when, they, when the owners gave Gar Snow that insane yeah. long deal as a general manager. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I was just trying to take that and run with it because I just get frustrated when anytime someone talks about, you know, Randy Carlisle, you know, what if he stays? Like, I please, no, because he's just not good. He's just not.
1: Yeah, Alex had another question here. Uh, we kind of handled it a bit, but he was asking us what we, what we could tell him about the new assistant coach and what we predict the D pairings to be in October based off that. Um, you're going to get a healthy Cam
0: Fowler, so I feel like you're going to see uh, Fowler and he's going to be paired with Brandon Montour because that pairing killed it when they finally figured out they could put a guy who was talented with another guy who was equally talented together. <laughs> and then you're going to see Len Holman-Manson. It's that third pairing. We're going to have to wait and see uh, who's ready come training camp. And maybe they go out and get oh, – I knew you are going to say that. I was just going to say <laughs> – <laughs> they're going to go out and get a UFA and bring him in to see what kind of happens there. Uh, I'm not so sure that'll be the case, but you never know with this, uh, with this Bob Murray team. They could go out and just pluck a veteran and put him back there like they did with Boschman.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think there's a big question mark, really, on the D pairings. I mean, we pretty much know what pairing one and two are going to look like. It all depends on what they do on that bottom pairing, whether it's Pedersen and Walensky or, or Jakob Larson gets a shot or Jacob Magna comes back up, or they go out and they get – a Ian Cole or somebody else in the free agency and bring them in. I mean, that's the only question mark I think that they have on the blue line. Um, so I and I don't think it changes much whether you bring in a free agent or you bring up some of the young guys. I think we're gonna you're not gonna see too much too much flashy stuff in that bottom pairing. No. Uh, so let's move on to the next question. We got Victor again on Twitter. Uh, he wants to know who we have uh, right now that will get re-signed of our UFAs in our phase, and he says, would Vermette be a good player to re-sign if Kessler is out long-term? I don't think
0: so. I mean, it was it, we talked about it at the end of last year. Even RC acknowledged that, uh, or was it RC or Bob Murray acknowledged that Vermette just, the game's kind of passed him up. I want to say I that was, was uh, Randy Carlisle.
1: I, oh, was it Murray? Yeah. I don't know. One, I remember it, though. I remember one of them saying it. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they both mentioned it at, at some point, but... But, yeah, I mean, it has. It was obvious. You could see it. I and mean, he was a healthy scratch for the last, what, month of the season. So, I, you know, it probably was then Randy Carlisle if uh, if he was healthy scratching Vermette for, for that last month there.
0: So, I mean, we're looking at Derek Grant, Andre Kasha, Antoine Vermette, Chris Kelly, Nick Ritchie, Jason Chimera, JT Brown. That's the four group you could start with. Um, Derek Grant, yes. Kasha, yes. Uh, Nick Richie unless they can find a deal for him to trade him elsewhere, which I would be okay with. Uh, they're definitely going to re-sign him. Um, and then JT Brown's the other guy that I liked that I felt didn't get a fair shake on the, in the ducks lineup with the forward group. How about you?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, he'd be an okay guy to sign, uh, to play like a depth role, but I, I don't think right. they bring him back because he was healthy scratch for, again, with Antoine for for a lot of the last bit of, of, the the regular season so I don't see it happening I mean I wouldn't be opposed to it if he was to come back Um, I I think the only way again you know he doesn't want to play in the minors he doesn't want to play in the AHL and I think the only way he comes back to Anaheim if if it is kind of like a two way deal where they can move him up freely down from from the NHL to the AHL so I think he ends up going somewhere else and I'm sure somebody will take a flyer on him and, and play him on their fourth line I just don't think it's the Ducks who end up doing it no, I'd agree. I mean,
0: I think he didn't get a fair shake, but I, I could see yeah. them for a depth guy. But I mean, Derek Grant is definitely going to get a contract after for his sure, contributions. Yeah. You got to sign Kasha, and then, um, I mean, I mean Vermette. I remember him being great, like in like NHL 2006 on uh, on <laughs> Xbox. He was always a really fast guy. He's not that guy anymore. Uh, I don't think he'd be a good option coming back. They do love his face-off uh, ability, but. If he can't skate with these guys anymore, I just don't see them bringing him back either. On the defensive side of things, the three guys that I'm looking at on cap friendly are Kevin Bieksa, which we all know is basically said and done now. He was not happy with how the end of his uh, season was with Anaheim, his playing time, um, and just kind of how he was treated, I guess, by the organization. He's not going to come back, and the Ducks don't want him back as far as I can tell. Andy Walensky will definitely get re-signed. And then Brandon Montour, I mean, you you bet it. I mean, he's going to get probably paid the most out of anybody that we just talked about.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and it's Brandon Montour and Andy Walensky are coming back. I think that's obvious. And then Montour is the one who's going to get the big contract to come back and play regular minutes in the top four. For Anaheim, Andy Walensky, again, he might be a part of that bottom pairing. Um, He might be a guy who ends up playing in San Diego for a bit. I I think he he really hasn't proved himself. He didn't play awful in Anaheim, but he wasn't great. And he didn't really show that he was ready to be a a mainstay on that bottom pairing. Uh, And then Kevin BX, I mean, this is obvious. I I know we speculated at times that he could come back for like a one-year, $1 million deal. But based off his comments at the end of the regular season on, on the exit interviews saying that you know he was kind of underutilized and he was disappointed that he didn't play in the playoffs. I don't think at this point there's any any real hope for him to come back, which I'm sure a lot of fans are happy with. And honestly, I don't see a lot of teams really taking a shot on him. I think this might be it for him, at least in the National Hockey League. I mean, he hasn't shown any team any kind of good stuff for them to go out and sign him, so I, I think this could be it.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's unfortunate just because yeah. him as a person – and. He's a great dude. I've met him at the rinks a couple of times, just because you run into NHL players around, there's so little amount of rinks that they, when their kids are playing hockey, that's when you just bump into these guys. Nice guy. Um, funny guy. And I know that he was kind of one of those guys I think teammates liked him a lot, but uh, just kind of didn't mesh well with the organization, and that's just probably the end of his career. You're right.
1: Yeah, it, it's going to be tough. And, and But, I mean, again, Antoine Vermette's a great guy, and, and unfortunately, it just didn't work out, and, and... He's not going to probably stick around with the Ducks. And I, I'm sure the same goes for Chris Kelly and Jason Chimera. But, you know, you don't pay guys to be good guys in the locker room. You want right. them to, to participate and you want them to be a big part of the team. And, you know, I, you, these they're just not going to cut it. And Antoine Ferman, obviously, that, that showed that, you know, they had always liked his face-offs, like you said. But then that kind of wore off when, you know, the legs kind of gave out a little bit more. And then he was healthy scratch, and, and the faceoffs didn't matter anymore. You could bring in a guy like Derek Grant on the fourth line, and yeah, you lose maybe two or three faceoffs a game, but I mean, they finally saw that really doesn't come back to hurt you that much. I mean, Antoine Vermette comes in the lineup, and maybe he wins you two or three more faceoffs a game, but if you can't control the puck in their end, that's not going to do anything for you. Yeah, no thanks. I mean, you, know, you can't play forever. Yeah. Um, so let's go on to, I think this, I guess this would be the last question. So Chase asked on Twitter, he said, what prospects do you think will come up to play for the goals next year? So not coming up from the goals to Anaheim, but some of the prospects we have playing in junior coming up to play for uh, San Diego. Um, I mean, shoot, we're talking right now, uh, about. Sorry, you're, you cut out there.
0: Comtois, is he somebody that the Ducks would bring to the goals, or is he still too young, he's going to play in junior?
1: Uh, for Comtois, he still has a junior eligibility. He's only 19, so and he just got, uh, he just got traded to Drummondville from Victoriaville, so he'll actually be back with a different team, but he'll be back in junior next year. Same goes for Antoine Moran, who, after winning the Mem Cup, gets traded to Halifax, who's hosting the Mem Cup next year, so he gets another shot at it no matter what. So both of them will be back for sure. Uh, in the qmjhl next year.
0: But we're looking at Sam Steele and Max Jones coming in, right? And then what about Josh Murray? I think he on defense um is he's lights out, right? I mean, he's been playing really really well. He's an offensive defenseman, so that should be exciting for the goals to have on their team.
1: Yeah, I mean, they haven't really had a guy like that since Brandon Montour and and Shay were down there. You know, that a guy that can really drive play offensively on the blue line, of course. Jacob Larson has been good down there, but he isn't that type of player. He's not an offensive defenseman, kind of power play quarterback. And, and Josh Maher is more of a two-way guy anyway, but he, he kind of has that offensive flair, I think, that a guy like Jakob Larson doesn't have. So if they're both down there with maybe even Pedersen or Walensky, and you have those four guys down in San Diego to start the season, that's a pretty good top four to have down in the minors. And then as guys we've already mentioned, you know Max Jones, Sam Steele, Troy Terry could all be down there. And another guy is Jack Kapaka, who uh, I believe he's now not eligible to play in juniors unless Sault Ste. Marie brings him back as an overager, is another guy up on, on forward who can come down and, and play for the goals this year coming up. And he's a goal scorer and, and had a great season and great playoffs with Sault Ste. Marie in the OHL. So that's another guy that they can bring in. So they've got four forwards coming in that could probably jump right up into their top six. And then you've got Josh Maher, who immediately becomes one of your best blue liners down in the AHL. So a lot of talent coming to San Diego. It's going to be an exciting season there because most of them are going to be playing there all year. I don't don't think other than maybe Sam Steele or Max Jones, uh, most of them won't be uh, making a jump up to the Ducks.
0: I mean, Jones, as we talked to him, um, very hungry to play for the big club. I mean, yeah. he said he would enjoy playing in San Diego too. Obviously, but he loves the pro game, so he's excited for the AHL and the NHL. So, I mean, I would love to see him in a duck sweater, but uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Along with Steele, we're just excited about those guys. But for sure, going to San Diego.
1: Yeah, and, and the last question we had for for Twitter, I mean, we kind of already answered it, but Ricky asked is "What is the possibility of the Ducks making any deals with the, the with the cap possibly increasing three to seven million dollars?" I think it, it gives them some more flexibility um, to go out and maybe get a, a guy you didn't expect them to get, whether that is a guy like Paul Statsny, as we talked about, if Ryan Kessler isn't able to go, or even James Van Riemsdyk, if they want to go that route and bring in a proven goal scorer, I mean, he's going to get paid this, uh, this offseason because of the season that he had with the, with the Toronto Maple Leafs and the fact that he's probably one of the best wingers available in free agency, but that, that could be another route they go with having some of that extra cap space.
0: I mean, the ducks looks like they're projected for next season. Um, You know, barring obvious signings, we already talked about, they're going to have about $9.2 million in cap space. And that's at the current projected cap. I mean, not talking about the $82 million limit. So if you were to tack on another $7 million, uh, then they have some real play money to go with. Uh, they're definitely not sitting in what Vegas has, which is 24 million dollars. If you're not counting about the increase that the league is projecting. Um, but yeah, you really got, got to look at who they got to sign at home. They got a lot of guys they got to get cash out to. So and John Gibson could cost an arm and a leg. We don't know how Bob's going to work that. But yeah, we kind of went over a few of those guys a couple of times. I know you're real high on uh, Ian Cole and James Van Riemsdyk, and Ray Van Riemsdyk has been a name that's been floating around the Ducks dude for years, and he just hasn't yeah. come over. And he just had a big year, so he wouldn't come over at a, at a cheap price.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, that does it pretty much for the questions. I think one of the last things, at least for Ducks News, we have to hit on is, is the Memorial Cup, which was was a great tournament. And the Ducks had a lot of guys there. That Antoine Moran there. Sam Steele, who was the tournament MVP, was just excellent at that tournament. Josh Maher as well. I mean, he had a great tournament. He was one of the best defensemen at the tournament, probably besides only Noah Dobson, who is a guy who's expected to go in the top ten. In this year's draft, so it was a great showing for the Ducks prospects in the Memorial Cup. Obviously, Antoine Grand ends up winning the tournament over Sam Steele and Josh Maher. but just a great showing from those three. And, and it, it was an exciting tournament to watch. No, man, I, I caught pieces of
0: the games, and I because I was busy watching uh, real hockey. I know you Canadians <laughs> love your Memorial Cup. I'm just teasing. No, I just I mostly watched the Stanley Cup and whatever playoffs were going on. Um, over the Memorial Cup, but I did catch a few of those uh, pieces of the games. I like the ending. of Was it one of them where the puck went in, but they didn't count it because it was offside? That was the game, uh, the Regina Pats going to the final, right?
1: Uh, I believe that was their game. Yeah, their game against Swift Current. They were up 5-2 and then Swift Current brought it back to 5-4. They went up 6-4. Swift Current scored with about 30 seconds left to make it 6-5. And then, on a
0: real cheap penalty call, if I remember correctly. Yeah,
1: and then with, um, with .1 seconds to go, the puck had come out across the blue line, and they shot it on net. And the, the Pats were already celebrating, and it actually went into the net with .1 seconds left, but since uh, the puck had crossed the blue line and the shot coming back in, there were still players from Swift Current in the zone. It counted as offside, but that would have been that would have added some extra drama if that rule didn't exist. And they were celebrating too early, and then uh, they ended up uh, getting uh, the tying goal on a shot from outside the blue. And that would have been that would have been amazing. I would have just uh, wanted them to forego that rule just for to see the story on that. I mean, the amount of heat those guys would have got for celebrating early and then getting scored on with point 0.1 seconds left—that would have been insane. Would have been hilarious. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that, that pretty much wraps it up for the Mem Cup. Uh, as I mentioned already, Antoine Moran was actually dealt um, to Halifax um, per a trade that actually had occurred in, in around Christmas time, and then it, it didn't come into effect until the, the season was over, until his season was over. So now he's part of the Halifax Mooseheads, who are a great team and host the Memorial Cup next year, so he'll be going back. And then Maxime Comtois was dealt from Victoriaville to Drummondville. So a couple of the Ducks prospects being dealt. And then Antoine Morant also signed his uh, ELC with the Ducks. So a, a busy week for him. He ends up winning the Mem Cup, getting traded to a team that hosts it next year, and then also signing his entry-level contract with, uh, with the big club.
0: Yeah, you know, why not, win the, uh, why not win the Mem Cup and then come out and make $775,000 a year? Sounds like a really good shot week. shot at it
1: next year <laughs> with, the, <laughs> right? with the team who's hosting it. So, yeah, it's a, a pretty good week for him.
0: Well, hey, man, uh, that's it for me. Do you got anything else you want to touch on before
1: we wrap? I think the one thing I want to touch on, I, it's not necessarily Ducks related, but I have to, we have to dive into it because the Ducks were in on him at, at the uh, trade deadline, is Evander Kane signing his 7x7 his deal with the San Jose Sharks, which was insane, uh, to say the least. I mean, that's a lot of money even for a guy as talented as Evander Kane is, but with all the issues that are perceived i guess to be in the past you'd now have him locked up with the sharks who really aren't getting any younger at seven years and seven million dollars i think that takes him until he's about what 35 or something around there i think he's 26 yeah so So... he's 33 and he'll be making seven million dollars all the way across the board how do you feel about that deal i think it's a it's a Big overpayment for San Jose to to get him back. I mean, Buffalo is happy because they get a first-round pick now, um, I believe, at next year's draft. So, I don't know. I mean, I would have been okay if you got $7 million
0: a year, but at like a four-year rate. I mean, when you get him until he's 30. But to pay him into his 30s, 7x7 is a lot of cash for a guy who has never hit 60 points. He's only been a 30-goal scorer once. Um, I would rather have a Ricard Raquel on the team. And Ricard Raquel has been able to hit 30 goals. Um, I don't see why San Jose felt they had to lock him up long-term. They got Joe Pavelski. They got to lock up, too. And rumors are he's going to get an 8 by 8 uh, or something along those lines. They like doing that for their big guys. Um, and they're losing probably Joe Thornton, unless he's going to come back for dirt cheap now that they paid Evander Kane through the nose. Yeah, And they don't have they're that big top-line center. I mean, Pavelski's great, but... I mean, I thought they were going to be in the running for John Tavares until they did this.
1: Yeah, I don't think that happens now. I mean, they, they might be able to make something work if they, they move some things around, but I don't think you can really bring him in there. And there's still the whole thing where the, 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 the reason a lot of people didn't want him in Anaheim was his off-ice issues and the fact that not a lot of people liked him in the locker room. And that kind of seemed to go away with the, the buddy-buddy atmosphere he had with Joe Pavelski and Brent Burns. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's gone away. I mean, there's still a lot of guys, especially in the Sabres organization, that really don't like him and, and what you know his presence in the locker room and the type of attitude he had. And now you've got this guy in your locker room for seven years. You know, There's a possibility that this gets pretty toxic in that locker room if he hasn't changed over seven years. I mean, he's going to piss a lot of people off if he's doing some of the same stuff there.
0: I mean, I hope he doesn't do that kind of stuff. You don't want to see that. No, uh, those issues, especially the allegations, what they were, were awful. So hopefully he, that's all behind him and he's moved on to become a better person for it. But I don't think his plan on the ice to me has been consistent enough to warrant this kind of deal. He meshed with no. San Jose pretty quick. Um, But shoot, small I mean, we've seen that happen size, before. Though. Exactly. Very small sample size. And they, they got him to score goals. That's what they want him for. I mean, hopefully yeah. that's what he's become for them. Um, as long as he's not playing against Anaheim, but uh, I don't see him putting up monster numbers. I see him sitting right between 20 and 30 goals again next season.
1: Yeah, I, I think he. I think he's a consistent 20, 20 goal scorer. I think that's what they're going to get, and I, you know, they paid a premium for it to to not let him go to free agency. But I mean, there's guys out there that are consistent 20 goal guys that you know that aren't making seven million dollars a year. And unless, like you said, he's putting up like 60, 70 points. You're kind of overpaying him by about at least a million and a million and a half. And that can make a big difference in going out and getting guys like a John Tavares or or somebody else to make this team better, even if they want to go out and try and pursue a guy like Paul Statsny. I mean, a million and a million and a half in cap space is is a big deal when it comes down to making your team better for the long run. I
0: mean, he's making more money than Johnny Goudreau.
1: Who would you rather have on your team? Yeah. Well, I mean, Johnny Goudreau, though, is on his first... Kind of deal, isn't he? Like, like Ricard Raquel is on his first deal after his ELC, so it's tough. I think at that point to judge it, but he's making more than some guys out there that are on their second deals, and he's not much better than them. I mean, I, you know, James Henry Nystek, I think is just as good a player, and James Henry Nystek on his second deal was making four and a half million. You know, JVR's a consistent twenty goal scorer. Do I think he's going to get paid seven million in free agency? I mean, he's got a case now, doesn't he? I mean, he can just look at Evander Kane's contract and say, give me that. I I score more. I, I get 50, 60 points a year. I score 20 to 30 goals. Why don't I? Why am I not worth 7 by 7 So the price went up for a guy like JBR in free agency based off this deal.
0: No, I mean, it definitely did. I mean, looking back, I'm trying to think of when Corey Perry signed 2013, 2014. Perry put up 82 points that season. I mean, we're talking about a guy in Kane that has never even sniffed that. He's uh, he hasn't hit sixty, so he's got a lot of work to do to prove that he's worth that kind of money. Unless the price in the league's changed that much in in four years, where that's just what you pay now for that guy. So I don't know. I'm mean, gonna be very surprised to see what kind of money John Tavares is gonna ask for, right? I mean, if a guy like Evander Kane is gonna get seven, I figured Tavares, like you said, is gonna get $10, $11 dollars, um, yeah. just based on what the prices are.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Well, I mean, that, that pretty much wraps it up. I mean, we do have to plug our show coming up. Um, we have a draft preview show, if you haven't seen it on Twitter, on June this 3rd. This Sunday. Yeah, this Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, which is 8 Eastern, 7 Central, for all of our listeners out there. And we've got Steve Cornianos coming on from the draft analyst. He does some work with, um, with Dauber Prospects as well. So he knows a lot more about the prospects in this draft than we do so it'd be great to have him on an expert's opinion on who the ducks should be drafting and the first i guess we'd probably focus on most of the rounds i mean he does a top 500 on the draft analyst.com for, for the top 500 prospects for the draft so i'm sure he could pretty much tell us who the ducks should draft in every round i mean we'll see how much time we have definitely want to get through the through the first few uh, but it'll be great to have him on and have some insight on, on who the ducks should look for
0: Yeah, come on and learn with me. I'm excited for this. I think it's great he's coming on the show. So we appreciate everyone tuning in live. Anyone tuning in after, right, downloading our show, commenting on our uh, Facebook posts, Instagram, and Twitter. We love you guys. And we'll talk to you guys again on Sunday.